Welcome to the Fire Church Podcast. Today we pray Holy Spirit will speak through this message and into your life right where you are. I actually felt um, like a weightiness to this word. I've been preaching for 13 years continuously now and it's not often that I get butterflies in my stomach, but I'm feeling it today. So, Father, I just commit this service to you, Lord. Whatever you want to do, God, have your way. Work your mighty signs and wonders, God, and glorify the name of Jesus so that all will see that there is no other name under heaven or on the earth in which mankind could be safe. Lord, I make myself available to you. Flow through me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Um, first of all, I'd like to just um, honour everyone. Thank you for being part of this house and thank you for, for serving. You know what I mean? Like, like, do you know that if you serve in this house, you actually contribute to the preaching? Because if we come in to the building and then the church has been vacuumed, the tables, are, I mean, the chairs are in place. You may not notice it, but you will notice it if it's not done. And if it's not being done, someone has to do it. And, you know, and, and I think the buck stops with the leadership somewhere along the way where, you know, if it's not being done, I think as pastors, like, we're, we're the, you know, you're hosting the place, so you just feel obliged to start tidying up. And so... I like to honour everyone, even from the sound desk. You know, they, these people, if you don't, you, you can't see them. And if they're working well, you don't notice them. But if they're not working well, you will notice them. And so it goes for the ushering, the welcoming, everything, even the administration team and Pastor Alex for guiding. So it's like we are a body. And when you do what you do, you contribute to everything else. Because when, when things are not being done, it falls over to the rest of the body to, to lift the, the, the place, okay? So well done. Um, I have a word. Uh, this month we are going to cover the book of Colossians. Colossians is a, it's a rich book. It's a fantastic book. And I don't think I'll be able to really expound every verse because some of them... Some of those verses are so rich that you know, it can be a sermon on its own. But before we go into um, the book itself, there's this concept that I want to teach you. Can we put up uh, Mark chapter 11, the, the scripture please? Mark 11 verse 20 to 24. I'll read it to you. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw a fig tree dried up. This is Jesus, dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed last night has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Verse 23. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. Do not doubt in his heart. But believe those things he said would be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, Whatever thing you ask for when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. One of the mistakes that I think people can have is that 
when they think, when, when they can quote scripture, they think it's the same as having it. Are you with me? It says that if you say something, if you pray something, if you believe and do not doubt, that thing will be done. It says you can remove mountains, you can, you can do amazing things. And I'll tell you, I've said this funny story a number of times, but Ben Fitzgerald is, um, is a part of our church, part of the eldership. He's in Europe doing wonders. He's doing um, Awakening Europe. It's a bit like the Reinhard Bonnke of Europe. He's filling stadiums. But the first time I met the young man, I remember he bought a can of Coke. You know how sometimes in the vending machine the, the Coke gets stuck? He was in front of that machine for about half an hour commanding that thing to move. When I first saw that, I thought he should be locked up in a psych ward. But I tell you what, he was telling me that he has moved things, objects before. I'm like, yeah, right. But he was so convinced that he could do it. He stayed for half an hour going, Jesus' name. At the start, I said, this guy's crazy. At the end of half an hour, I was there joining him. <laughs> no, no. This guy is absolutely convinced in what he's saying. He was absolutely convinced. Along, like back then, he also said, it's like one day I'm going to preach in stadiums. But he was convinced of what he was saying. Right? So there is, and what I'm trying to say is, there is a difference between quoting scriptures and having that scripture as a reality. Just because you know it, you can quote it, know about it, doesn't mean it's alive in your life. And there's no point having that scripture not living in you and just having been able to quote it. Are you following me? Go to Psalm 1. <clears throat> now, and the reason I'm saying this is because the book of Colossians is a fantastic book to meditate upon. Ephesians, a lot of scriptures, but book of Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, they're fantastic. And all of those books are actually written by Paul from inside a jail cell. Psalm 1. I'm going to read Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the instructions of the law. And in his law, or Torah, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever it does shall prosper. The word meditate there is the word haggah, which is to murmur, to ponder, to think, to imagine, to mutter, to speak, to study, to talk, to utter. Have you seen it? Like the Jewish... Um, like today, they, they, they stand in front of the, the wailing wall and they're sitting there rocking back and forth like this. They're, trying, they're meditating. They're grabbing a piece of scripture and they're chewing on it. They're chewing on it. They're chewing on it, trying to make that a reality. So I've got this little clip that I want to play. Have you guys got that clip? So can we dim down the light? It's only about 70 seconds. And play that clip, please. Neurons communicate with each other relaying messages throughout your body and powering all of your thoughts and actions. Neurons talk to each other using both electrical and chemical signals. 
Messages start as electrical signals traveling rapidly down a neuron. These signals are called action potentials. When they reach the gap between two neurons, the messages need some help to get across. The information is transformed from an action potential into a chemical message, which crosses the gap called a synapse. The release of those chemical messengers can trigger an action potential in the neuron on the other side of the synapse, conveying the message onward. Or it can quiet the message. This happens over and over and over. And with repeated activity, the synapse gets stronger, so the next message is more likely to get through. That way, neurons learn to pass on important messages and ignore the rest. This is how our brains learn and adapt to an ever-changing world. Thank you. That is called neuroplasticity. If you think of a thought over and over and over and over and over again, the connection between the neurons gets stronger and bigger. That's why if you've been doing something for 20 years, stopping it will be difficult because literally you're trying to break a physical thing in your brain. Are you following me? And what God is calling us to do is this thing called meditation. Right? There's a story I love to use. Like, you remember the story when, uh, when Jesus was telling everyone that he's going to have to be uh, crucified in three days, and then Peter pulled him aside and says, Lord, don't say that. Like, you know, you're going to live forever. And then Jesus turned around to Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan, <coughs> for you mind the things of man and not of God. Jesus wasn't trying to be insulting towards Peter. He is the light of the world. When the light comes, it shows light and dark. It shows you where the objects are. If the room is dark, I don't know what's in front of me. So Jesus comes down. He's the light of the world. And he goes, to think like a mere human is satanic, Peter. Are you with me? That's why it says in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. You can pray a prayer, but unless your mind is renewed, you're going to think like Satan. It's heavy, isn't it? Yeah. But it's the truth. So God is not trying to condemn you. He's telling you. He's like, this is the way out. He's like, look, isn't my word like a light? Meditate on the word. And I've been mentioning about complex trauma and how people get it. Complex trauma and PTSD is trauma over time. And what happens is if you get trauma over time, your body gets stuck in this fight, flight, or freeze mode. And if you're stuck in that trauma for 10, 20 years, even when the trauma is gone, you're stuck in it. You're still stuck. And so you need to meditate on the truth to undo that. Are you following me? People are hoping for the zap from God, but God says, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Jesus says, I am the Word. Jesus is the Word. Yeah? Why did He give us the Word if we're going to ignore it? It's important. The Spirit and the Word, the word works together. 
So that's a background. This is important. So what I'm saying is the book of Colossians is a fantastic book to meditate upon. Yeah? So just because you can quote it doesn't mean you have it. The book of Colossians, um, Coloss- the church in Colossae is actually uh, planted by this guy by the name of Epaphras. Yes. I Google how to pronounce that name. Epaphras. Yes. And it was written between 60 to 62 AD during Paul's first imprisonment. And so it is written because Epaphras was having, he planted the church, the church was going well, but there was uh, some heresies that was coming in and Epaphras didn't know what to do, so he went and sought the wisdom of this amazing theologian by the name of Paul. So he went there in jail and, and told them. And so he was addressing three things. The first was Jewish legalism. Today I'm going to be mentioning just chapter one, but it's, this is chapter two. And chapter three, it's awesome, I love chapter two and three. Uh, Colossians chapter two, verse 16 to 17 is addressing Jewish legalism. They were trying to uh, reinstate the Jewish festivals. They're trying to reobserve it, trying to reobserve Sabbath. Last week I mentioned about the, the day of Pentecost, and, and I'm saying that it is good to learn about the, the festivals, but I said I, I'm not trying to say that you should, you should become a Jew again. Right? But it is important to understand. So they've gone a little bit too far. They're trying to say that you've you got to add the, the Sabbath observance and, and the various festivals. Uh, second... The second heresy was Eastern mysticism and the worship of angels, mentioned in verse 18 of chapter 2. The third was Greek asceticism, the abstinence of pleasure, mentioned in Colossians chapter 2, verse 20 to 23. Yeah? So Paul was, was addressing those three uh, heresies, and so it is good every once in a while to just preach the truth and ground the people in the truth when when heresies come in. So let us go uh, to Colossians, and we, I'm just going to read it through, and then I'm going to expound, okay? Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> Are you ready? Yeah. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So I'm going to read it just slowly. To the saints and faithful brothers, brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, we give thanks to God and Father our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always with you. I know I said we're going to read it in the end, but I can't resist. There's this thing called the, the finished works of Christ, and um, Colossians mention a lot of it. I remember someone that was, um, it was a pastor, he was so into the, the finished works of Christ, he, he was telling me, Lee, you don't need to pray because Jesus has done it all. So me being me, I read through the New Testament and I compiled all the places where Paul says, pray for me. And I come up with a page and a half of it and I showed it to him. So Jesus has done it all. But this is Paul saying, pray for me. Okay, so people can get too far in one end to the other. So verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of your love for all the saints, oh my goodness, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, oh my goodness, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, 
which has come to you as it has also to all the world, and is bringing forth fruit. Fruit, <laughs> as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. Again, praying. And to, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Hallelujah. Right. That's a good place to meditate. It's like, God, thank you, Lord, that you're filling me with your will and your wisdom and spiritual understanding. God, give me your wisdom. God, give me wisdom. I need wisdom. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. God, help me to be fruitful in you, God. And increase in my knowledge. You know that that knowledge there is not just the head knowledge. A Jewish concept of knowledge is by experience. Uh, in the book of Genesis, it says, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. So that knowing is intimacy. That knowing is experience. It's not just head knowledge like the Greek. It's not, it's not a Greek book. It's an Eastern book. You following me? Strengthened with all might according to glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. All right, they're, they're dirty words. Patience and long suffering. <laughs> Mate, we're, we live in a McDonald's culture. Want everything now. Slow cook. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Oh, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his son of his of the son of his love. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. If you feel condemned, you need to meditate on those things. When people, right, sometimes people don't believe that. They feel condemned. We can address that later on. People feel condemned. So what they do is they go around telling everyone how they're not condemned, but they're condemned. But the, pro, the person who's feeling condemned is them. So there's no point telling other people that you're not condemned while you are the person that feels condemned. You should tell the person that is condemned that you're not condemned, and that's yourself. Do you guys get that? A person is feeling condemned. But instead of addressing the problem, which is the, what they believe, they try to change the outside world. But the outside world, even if you change and control the outside world, it still doesn't change the fact that internally you're condemned. So what I'm saying is instead of you telling everyone else that you're not condemned, you should tell the person that is condemned yourself that you're not condemned by this in whom we have redemption through his blood. I am redeemed through the blood. I have been forgiven. I have been forgiven. Thank you, God, that I've been forgiven. Thank you, God, I've been forgiven. Holy Spirit, make this a reality. Thank you, God, that I have been forgiven. Like that neuron in the synapses, the more you do it, the more it flows. If you've been spending 27, 30 years condemning yourself, give yourself some space. Give yourself some time for un to undo this. 
when I tried doing this, my brain literally hurts. I used to be so negative that I can have five or six things going well and two things go wrong, and I'll be turned, uh, I'll be like curled up as a ball in fetal position, crying about the two things that went wrong. And then God showed me this thing. It's, it's, I call it the, the negativity fast, I fast negativity. And you do that by actively thinking about three positive things in the morning, three positive things at night. And I do that regularly. I've done that regularly. I can feel myself whenever I've come out as a bit negative. I try that. I'm doing that right now with something else. I just learned the technique because of that. The first time I try to be positive and thank God for, for things, the first thing I said was, thank you, God, for this sunny day. And I was going to thank him for the second thing. It took me half an hour to come up with the second thing. That's when I knew I was in trouble. Are you following me? I do that regularly now. I, I go in the shower and I just start thanking God for the good things in my life. And so when people ask me now, it's like, how is your life? I'm like, it's bloody brilliant. I don't know if it is or not, but in my head it is. Because all I seem to be aware about is all the good things that God is doing in my life. Your life will never be 100% correct. Your ducks will never be in a row. I tried it. During that season, I tried to make my ducks in a row. And it was like one day per month where all my ducks in a row. 21 days, I was miserable. <laughs> this meditation thing is very important. I remember doing a counseling, marriage counseling to this couple. And I sat down and I said, so tell me what's going on. And the wife just rattled about 20 things that the, the then husband was saying. And I'm like, oh man, we're in trouble. Because if you can quote that much things that your husband's doing wrong, then you've been meditating on it. She was looking to me as like some sort of referee. It's like I was going to go, foul, 50, 50 meters kicked. She was hoping that I'm like, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not the referee. I'm trying to get you to like reconcile. Like, my goal is not like, oh, you win. Yeah, he's a, he's a jerk. Like, you win. Like, you know, pay, pay a thousand bucks or something. Like, you know, I'm trying to get them to work things out. And then she's just rattling it off without taking a breath. And I'm like, God, this is, I am out of my league. And that, yeah, couldn't fix it because she was just stuck in meditating. She's just picking everything. And like, once you're offended, you're offended. You notice that? Once you're offended, you're, you just get offended more. Everything else just because you think that that person's a demon and he just, it just keeps adding up. Are you following me? Verse 15. <laughs> so meditate on the things that are good. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Woo! Woo, glory. Oh, wow. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Blah. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on the earth, visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities and powers, icons. All things were created through him. 
Um, you know how I've been doing study about the Hebrew letters, right? Right, in Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning God created, anyway, Barashit, Bara Elohim. The word create there is the word bara. It's made up out of the letter Beth, Resh, Aleph. Beth is house. Resh is the bent over prince. Aleph is the ox. So the word create is Beth, Resh, Aleph. The word Beth, Resh, it forms the word bar, which is sun. So the word create is son of Aleph. The word create is literally, you spell it, son of God. Bet, resh, aleph. That's how the word create. The word son, the son of aleph, the son of God. <laughs> no, seriously, it's just like, oh my goodness, get out. It's like now, like I have to study individual letters. He, all things were created, bara, through the Son of God. <laughs> through Him and for Him. And he, he is before all things, and, is, and in Him all things consist. For He is the head of the body, the church. Oh my goodness. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Again, the firstborn, Jesus rose on the first fruit. He is the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he may have preeminence. Verse 19, for he pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. Whether things on the earth or things in heaven. I'm going to give you a chance to accept Christ later on. <clears throat> because in him... God has reconciled heaven and earth. In Him, God and humanity are reconciled once again. You know, like the temple of God, the temple is a place where human can meet God. Jesus is the temple of God. In Jesus, you can meet God. But Jesus stepped into you. You're now the temple of God. That's where evangelism comes in. You are the tabernacle. Peter says, like, you know, I must lay aside this tabernacle. Paul, he refers to his own body as a tabernacle. You are a portable tent that carries the Spirit of God. And wherever you go, people should be able to meet God. That's why you heal the sick and you cast out devils. Because you carry God. Your job is to go, Hoo! have some of this. Hoo! Hoo! Have some Jesus. Verse 20. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. Woo! Sorry, um, if you're wondering why I'm... Yeah. The Spirit of God is saying amen to these words. I'm getting whacked. Uh, and uh, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of a cross, whoo, and you who once,
who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. We were enemies of God. But in Christ, he has redeemed us. Because you know what goes on in the temple? You've got to bring a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, like you know, God is teaching us through this temple. It's like you've got to bring, like if you sin, you've got to bring a lamb. And the priest lay hands on the animal and then he imparts your sin into the lamb or the goat. And then you kill the animal. And what the priest looks at is the, the lamb, the sacrifice, has to be without spot or blemish. It's not that you have to be sin-free. It is that you have to bring a sacrifice that is sinless. When Jesus appeared, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He comes in with that spot of blemish. And then he died, the perfect sacrifice. God is not looking at you to be perfect. God is looking at the sacrifice that you bring. That's why when you say, I believe in you, Jesus, you are saying that you accept his sacrifice. And God look at Him, not you. And the Bible says He died for our sin, but He was resurrected as a sign that God has accepted the sacrifice. Are you with me? Verse 22, In the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. If indeed... Oh, that's a good one to meditate. Thank you, Lord, that I am holy and blameless. God, I thank you that I'm holy and blameless. God, I thank you that I'm holy and blameless before you. God, I thank you. You've made me clean. You know, if you ever sprained your ankle, you're going to be aware of your ankle. But if you have a healthy ankle, you don't think about your ankle. Are you following? Are you guys get that? If you feel ashamed, you're really aware that you're shameful. And then you talk about it, trying to defend yourself. But if you believe you've been made righteous, you don't talk about it because you believe you're righteous. Are you following me? So meditate on the Word and renew your mind. And when you renew your mind and you release faith onto that Scripture, the grace of God comes down. I have found that it doesn't, like, you know, I've thought a certain way for 20, 30, 40 years, but it doesn't take 20, 30, 40 years to undo it. It'll take weeks. Like, if you do it every day, it takes two, three weeks. I've only had one thing that's taken me a year, right? And it broke. It finally broke. It was like I had a heart. I had a broken heart. And I kept saying, God, God, why am I feeling this? And He would say something and I feel better. And then the next day, feel the same way again. But finally, after about a year, I started confessing what he said to me. And then the next day it was gone. You following me? Say, so this is the will of God. You know, what is the will of God? This is the will of God. In each of these scriptures, it's yes and amen. When you're confessing this, God doesn't have to go, oh, should I grant them or not? He has granted them. So you just put it on and you believe. On earth as it is in heaven. 
Verse 23, if, you, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Verse 24, I now rejoice in my suffering for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, for the sake of His body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now on has been revealed to His saints. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Watch this, watch this. I'm going to go back to verse 19. All right. Oh, before that, verse 17. He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. He is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. Verse 19. He pleased the Father, for in Him the fullness should dwell, by Him to reconcile all things to Himself. So God is the, like Jesus, is the head of all principalities and powers. God created all things through Him. But get this, get this. Now the fullness of God resides in you. How can you be condemned? How can you be condemned? How can you feel sorry about yourself? A human being, right, is actually from Genesis 1, is a being that is designed, a four-part being. God from Adam, from the red earth of the ground, He fashioned it. Then He goes, and He says, man became a living being. A human being, is consists of the Holy Spirit in the Spirit with the soul, with the body. Are you following me? You are designed to have the Holy Spirit in you. You are a place where heaven and earth joins. The human being is a powerful being with tremendous capacity. When Jesus came down, He didn't come down to show what He could do. He didn't show us what God could do. He came to show us, Adam, you have lost who you are. You've lost your identity. You've got no idea what you were, what you were before. When I created you, you are like the ruler of the planet. And now look at you. You've lost your image. You forgot who you are. You forgot where you came from. You forgot your purpose. You're full of hate, insecurity, jealousies. And the image of God was lost in us. Jesus came back down to go, this is what, I, what you look like. <laughs> Salvation in Jesus is not just the forgiveness of sin, it is. But it is the redemption of humanity from the place from which we have fallen. Do you know of Satan? He says, the God with the small g of this world. It's because Satan stole that. When God created Adam, he says he brought all the animals before Adam. He says, name it. Because Adam was the ruler of the planet. And that's what was stolen. So in Adam, we lost the authority. But in the last Adam, we gain the authority back. Deliverance, right? Casting out devils. It's not a technique. It's not what you say. 
is who's saying it. It's Christ in you. The battle is whether you know that. The devil says, he always says, you can't get us out. They always say that. Because they want to see whether you believe. I heard somewhere, it's like, there was a deliverance and then demons go, you'll never get us out. And then the person goes, oh, can't get it out. Because... Deliverance is not a question of technique. It's a question of faith. It's whether you know what you are. It's whether, know, whether you know who you're meant to be and you're, where your position is. A fallen human is at the bottom of the food chain. But a redeemed human is at the top. Seated with Christ. Join, co-heirs with Christ. Thank you, Lord. So right now, I'm going to give you a chance. Who would like, in Jesus' name, I bind that. Who would like to accept Jesus? Not only will your sin be forgiven, Christ, who is the head of all principalities and powers, will come in to fill your heart and restore you to what you could be, to what you should be. And that's why you keep coming to church, to learn about what you could do. Are you following me? It's like you can lay hands on the sick and you see them healed. You can speak to demons and you get get out and they can come out. Are you following me? So right now, can I get every head bowed, every eye closed? Would you like to accept Jesus? Can I get you to lift up your hand, please? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Who would like to begin this amazing journey? And you know what? You go from being a sinner to being adopted, to become a son, a daughter of God. Your sins are forgiven. Your Father welcomes you with open arms and He put a ring in your hand, put a robe over you and put a brand new sandal on your feet. He's saying you've got a new walk, you've got new clothes and I reinstated your authority. Isn't that amazing? You get to be the son of a son of God, a daughter of God once again. So who else? Is there anyone else from this section? Would you like to accept Jesus? Thank you, Lord. And now I'm just gonna make everyone to just say this prayer. Oh, right, hold on. God says there's one more. There's one more. Is is, is God working in your heart? Do you feel a tugging in your heart? You're in a valley of decisions. What are you waiting for? Walking with God is amazing. He says, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. You're not only forgiven, but it's like He'll start putting your life back together. He'll wash away all sin, all shame, all guilt. 
Who would like to accept Jesus right now? Anyone else? Thank you, I see you. Thank you, I see you. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross to restore me. Now I ask that you come into my heart and fill me. Christ, fill me. Let your glory fill me. Thank you, Lord, for your love and for making me your child. In the name of Jesus. Why don't we give these people a round of applause? Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about Fire Church, head to our website, firechurch.com.au. And don't forget to connect with us on social media, on Instagram, fire.church, Facebook, Fire Church, and YouTube, Fire Church TV. Have a blessed week.